Our great God, you are worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be honoured and glorified by our words and by our lives. Now please shape us and change us now by your word and especially as we think about our spending. We pray that you might get the honour and glory from us that you deserve. Amen. I want to think today, I want to help you think, I want to help myself think a bit more about spending, spending for eternity. I wonder if this phrase, spending for eternity, if this brings up positive images in your mind or if this kind of, this is something that's quite fearful. When I say spending for eternity, are you imagining the kind of, the credit card that never runs out, uh, and this is your idea of heaven, that you can go on the shopping spree that never ends, spending for eternity. Or perhaps, perhaps you're on the other end of it and you think, when you think of spending for eternity, it just fills you with anxiety because you think, how are we going to pay for that? If we keep spending, if that's, if that's the practice, if that's, that's what happens, well, we're going to have to fork out the dough. We're going to have to pay that credit card back at some point. That spending, that habit, that practice is something that makes you uncomfortable. Uh, as we think about this, either way, that's, that's not the type of spending for eternity that I mean when I, when I use that phrase. We want to think about our spending in light of eternity. We want to think about what does, what does eternity mean for the way we use, for the way we direct our money, for the commitments that we make. As we saw earlier on the video, today's our sacrifice Sunday. As we, we do every year, we set aside one particular week to, to consider how we use our money, and particularly in light of how we are using that money here at, at church and how we, how we want to prioritise getting projects done, getting the resources that are needed for a certain ministry to happen. So we're going to think about that today. We're going to think in kind of three main steps, as if you're following along on the outline, you can see there. Uh, firstly, what eternity? Secondly, partnering for eternity. And thirdly, we're going to look at the example of David as generosity for eternity. So that's, that's where we're going. Um, and just to give you a bit of advance warning, the first two are shorter. The third ones, maybe spend a little bit more time there. We're going to start... What eternity are we talking about? What is this eternity that we need to consider? Well, David, as we were reading through, he, he's aware of an eternity. I don't know if you noticed, it's, he's mentioned it a few times. If you look at chapter 28, verses 6 and following, you see he's got eternity on, the, on his mind. Uh, he says that the Lord said to him, Solomon, your son, is the one who will build my house and my courts. I've chosen him to be my son and I'll be his father. I'll establish his kingdom forever if he's unswerving in carrying out my commands and laws as being done at this time. So now I charge you in the sight of all Israel and the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance to your descendants forever. David's thinking about his throne, about his successor, his son Solomon, about the kingdom of Israel. He's not just thinking about it kind of, well, I'm approaching the end of my life. That's kind of all I'm thinking about. He's not just thinking about it in terms of, well, the next 
generation is going to be 40 years. He's thinking about this kingdom lasting forever. And he's got good reason for that because God has talked to him about this kingdom being an eternal kingdom. The promise uh, is recorded back in chapter 17 where David was really eager to build a temple for God and God says, no, you don't do it. Your son's going to do it. But more than that, he goes on to explain how, how, don't just get sidetracked thinking about this house, think about this eternal kingdom. Think about this eternal reign. Think about your son, Solomon, your descendants, being my son, God says. Think about this kingdom being my kingdom. Think bigger. So David's got this in his mind. He's thinking big. He's thinking an eternal kingdom. And if you've been following along in our Bible study groups, we've been looking at the book of Daniel. And we see this again and again there as well. Here's a verse from chapter 7 that we see. We see all this about temporary kingdoms and the human kingdoms, earthly kingdoms, not lasting and being temporary and weak. And, uh, but here, there's the promise of one coming. And it says, He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is the promise of, that the prophet Daniel makes, records for us. God's promising someone who will reign forever. As we approach Christmas, we, we often turn to the start of the Gospels, particularly Matthew and Luke. start of Luke here, we have recorded the angel explaining to Mary about the child that she's to bear. It's a bit of a surprise for her. And the angel says in the midst of kind of the surprise, you're going to be pregnant and you're going to have, have a child, that's pretty big for Mary to grapple with. But not only that, it's not just any child. What's this child like? He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The Bible records for us again and again the promise of an eternal king, an eternal kingdom. God is not just doing things for a little while. He's not just interested in one generation or a few generations, not just the 80 years of life that we kind of plan for. God has an eternal plan. That's the reality. God plans for eternity. He is eternal. We saw that in as David prays to him, doesn't he? Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. He's the God that is without beginning and without end. And yet so often, so often we forget about eternity, don't we? So often we're confronted with the things we've got to do today, the things that we've got to plan for tomorrow and even for 10 years down the track. We get caught up in the here and now. So easy to do. It's something we, we fall into again and again. As I was thinking about this, I was reminded of a student I used to teach. Uh, a student who was probably in year 11, I think. 
And he was not the greatest student, didn't dedicate himself to maths that much, but he did dedicate himself to a game called Guitar Hero. I don't know if you've ever heard of this game or you've played this game. I've played it a couple of times. The party. The way it works is, is you get this kind of like guitar console that has a couple of buttons, and the game requires you to press like three, four or five buttons at the precise moments in in time with the song, uh, and so that it plays the music and you get points and it's fun. Uh, this is the idea of the game. It starts off easy and gets faster and faster as you go up through levels. You've got to, got to memorize it and press all the buttons at the right time. Uh, he, this, this student that I had, he was master of the game. He's dedicated so much time to playing this game that he, he completed all the levels on like the hardest setting. He knew what was coming. He could probably do it all from memory. And he loved to talk about it in maths class instead of doing maths work. Um, this is how I knew about it. But, what was also happening at the same time, when he was in year 11, he thought he'd pick up an actual guitar and have a go. And, and he was frustrated by how little skills he had, how, how, hard, how much hard work he needed to put into it, how long it took to learn. Now, this kind of comparison, the effort that he'd been putting into the video game was kind of fun and it was enjoyable experience. But it's the virtual reality has no value going on for bigger life, does it? There's no carryover value, significance to his guitar hero skills. It didn't actually help him play guitar. It would have been better if he'd, he'd spent all that time actually playing guitar for real. That's what I thought anyway. He would have been a lot further on the track. It would have had more lasting use in his life. But it's so easy. like It's so easy to just go for the enjoyable experience in the here and now. It's a bit faster. It's a bit... The lights are buzzing and the sound's dinging and you're up a level. And it's, I think that's often the way that we're like in terms of this life and eternity. We can be so sucked into thinking about the here and now, that we can forget to be considering what's going to have value, what's going to be of significance in eternity. At times we, we try and think about eternity, don't we? We try and keep it on the agenda. We try and talk about it. We speak about it, we sing about it. Even as we gather together as God's people, in one sense we are anticipating eternity and looking forward to it together. It's part of our agenda to keep it on our minds. Eternity is important. But so often it slips. Well, as we're considering eternity, as David considers eternity... It's interesting to know that he's got this desire to do something for the long term in God's kingdom. Now, he, he's thinking about what God has said to him. He's thinking about God's promises of an eternal kingdom. And he wants to build a temple, a place where God, God's presence would be represented with his people. That for this eternal kingdom, at least as David envisages it, 
He wants God to be present there with the people eternally. And so a great way to signify this is with a permanent structure. And he wants to build this house, but, but God has said to him, no, it's not going to be you. It's going to be your son. At that point, if I was David, I might, I might have been tempted to go, okay, let's shelve that idea. I might mention it to Solomon down the track. But for David, that's not, God said, you're not going to be the one to build it. But he wants, he wants to do as much as he can to contribute towards it. He's still got this vision, this, this purpose. He's captured by this idea and he's committed to it still even if he doesn't get to be the one who does the construction. What else can he do? Well, he's got the plans ready, doesn't he? Uh, We see that um, in chapter 28 uh, from verse 11. It says, Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the portico of the temple, its buildings, its storerooms, its upper parts, its inner rooms, and the place of atonement. He's thought about it. David's got plans. He's, He's designed the rooms. He's designed the spaces. He's designed how it's going to function. He's committed to it. Not only that, he he goes on and he makes preparations. He collects together equipment, the resources that are going to be needed. Have a look at chapter 29, verse 2. As he's gathered everyone together, he says to them, With all my resources, I have provided... For the temple of my God. Gold for the work, gold work, silver for the silver, bronze, etc., etc., etc. He goes on. David, he doesn't just kind of go, okay, Solomon, you're going to build it. You sort it out. He gets it ready. He's got the plans. He's got all the stuff stockpiled so that it's almost like as soon as Solomon becomes, becomes king, he can step into action and go, okay, let's start laying, laying the foundation. Let's do it. David's eager, and he, he works. He's, he sees the privilege of being involved in this task, of being able to partner in the work of building this kingdom that's going to last forever. Now, as we, as we read through the Bible, we see that Solomon does build a temple. But later on, that temple is destroyed. And the people of Israel build another one, and that too doesn't last. And as we keep reading the Bible, we see that the physical temple isn't God's plan for an eternal kingdom. Even the physical nation of Israel isn't God's plan for an eternal kingdom. God is building a spiritual kingdom. An eternal spiritual kingdom in his son Jesus. As Jesus is the one whose presence is with people, as he comes to dwell and as he is present with people through his spirit, there's no need for a physical temple in the same sense. But God is still doing the work of building this kingdom. And for you and I here, there's still a privilege of being involved in that work. Adam spoke last week about the, the opportunity for partnership that we have, of partnering in the work that God is doing. It's a, great, it's a great mystery that God in his wisdom doesn't just decide to plonk down a kingdom 
out of nowhere, which he could do. He? he made the world out of nothing. He's spoken and it happens. He could just speak and go, eternal kingdom in, in my son Jesus. Here you go. He doesn't do that. He chooses to build his kingdom through human beings, through us, as we use our time and effort in spreading the message of Jesus. That's what we spoke about last week in our different skills and talents that we've got that can be useful for building the kingdom. And today as we we consider, part of this is also our finances. As we think about partnering for eternity, partnering for things that are going to stand for forever, building this eternal kingdom, we can contribute to this financially through our spending. In our vision at Tom's, we are people who are concerned with this, this forever kingdom. It's kind of all built on this, isn't it? We're longing for God to save and raise people to new true life in Jesus. We're longing for people to, to repent, to turn back and follow Jesus. And so the focus for us is pointing people to Jesus. And we're praying that God would grow his kingdom here in our church. I just, for example, just, uh, just one of the things, one of our things we're praying for us together that we'll grow and become 500 people. We'll become a bigger part of God's kingdom. That will belong to five congregations across three locations. That will reflect the demographic profile of the local community. And notice the last bit. We're praying that we'll be a people, we'll be a church that has finances to set aside six and a half people for paid ministry and provide safe and welcoming facilities. That's part of what we're praying to be. That's part of what we're committing to be as a church. We're going to be people who commit financially to making this happen. Eternity affects what we do with our money. Shapes our priorities for how we spend it. Or is in a kind of like snappy way to say it. Christians spend in light of the end. If that helps you remember it, you can use it. Christians spend in light of the end. Because the news of the eternal King Jesus, it calls for a response that doesn't just affect one little part of our life, but affects all of our life, including our wallets. But it's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy to just think about the here and now. It's so easy to just have temporary goals, temporary priorities when it comes to what we do with our money. It's so easy to spend and to work for a kingdom that's in the here and now. It's so easy to get to a point and look back on, on the way we've been spending and think it looks a bit like Guitar Hero. It was fun at the time, but it hasn't really amounted to anything of ongoing significance. Adams asked us to consider. Consider our giving. Consider the way that we're supporting things that are going to last for forever. 
way that we're committing to support the growth of God's kingdom. Now, there's lots of different ways we do that, isn't there? There's lots of different ministries. There's lots of different mission that we could be supporting. And it's, it's great that we think about those things. And I encourage you to do so. But one of the things that we are particularly responsible for is thinking about ministry here and how we are committing to make that happen. Adam's asked us to, to think about it, to think about are we being sacrificial as we review, to think about pledging as we go into 2020, to make a commitment that helps us individually as ourselves as we know we've made this commitment. It's the kind of accountability we have, but it's also really helpful for for the treasurer and for parish council as they think about a budget to kind of know that this is how much people have committed to. Really helpful. How are you going at spending in light of eternity? That's something I don't want you to just to kind of think, have a quick answer in your head right now and go, yep, tick, done. This is something you really need to spend time doing to actually look at your bank statement and think about how much am I actually spending? How much am I actually committing? Not just how much it feels like in my head, but be honest with yourself. Spend some time thinking about it. Review. Think about what's being sacrificial. And in light of that, think about the pledge. We're going to turn now to the last point. Generosity for eternity. David's example here. Or him and the people that he's leading. There's, There's kind of just a few aspects that I want us to notice as we look through here about his generosity. It's really helpful. The first thing I want you to notice is that David's generosity is motivated from the inside, isn't it? It's not a law from the outside that he's kind of, someone said once, I've got to give 10%, so I've got to give 10%. It comes from his desire and commitment to see the kingdom built, to see God honoured through the building of a temple. Uh, have a look at verse chapter 28, verse 2. King David rose to his feet and said, Listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. It's something that he's committed to internally. Chapter 29, verse 3, it says, Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Out of his devotion, out of his commitment, comes his giving. It's not someone else saying to him, David, I think you should give some some more. It's his own decision. It comes out of his own commitment. Internal motivation. Notice the second thing, his manner of giving and the manner in which Israel follows his example in giving. It's not out of compulsion, but it's willing. There's a a freedom expressed in their giving. Have a look at 29 verse 6. 
Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. David's not twisting their arm. Again in verse 9, the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. There's a willing a freedom in the way they give. And they give abundantly, don't they? They're not giving kind of just meagerly, just some stuff that they didn't really didn't really want anyway, just some extra money we didn't know what to do with. It's their giving abundantly. There's this description of so and so and so, so many thousand talents of silver, so many thousand talents of bronze. Now, I don't want to go through all the measurements, but this is a mountain of stuff. Just, just consider the last one. It says in verse 7, a hundred thousand talents of iron. This is, works out to be about three and a half thousand tons of iron, which is a lot. If kind of a small car weighs about a ton, you imagine three and a half thousand tons. Three and a half thousand small cars. Now that's, that's bigger than the actual temple ends up being. There's an abundance of stuff that's committed. They don't give in a way that's stingy, in a way that's just enough. They, they give freely and abundantly. David himself talks about not just kind of giving these provisions that I've set aside, but it talks about him giving in verse 29 verse 3. It says, over and above everything I've provided for this holy temple. And it goes on to list extra stuff. It's kind of abundance. It's this willingness that leads to, to wanting to give more. Now, I don't know how you feel about sermons about money. Sometimes I feel like it's like it, it can be scary for people. It can be kind of feel like frustration, like I'm never giving enough. That's the kind of way sometimes I feel. Whatever it is that you're giving, whatever it is you decide is appropriate to give, it has to come willingly. You have to give willingly, not not out of frustration, not out of guilt, We have different situations and we can't all give the same amount. That's fine. That's the reality. We all have our own situations to consider. But our giving needs to be willing. All right, I've got to move on. The next one, the next thing we need to see here is just the way that David acknowledges where this stuff actually comes from. Who's the ultimate provider? It's God. David goes into a a prayer where he's praising God for who he is and acknowledging that ultimately all this stuff that David's accumulated for the temple and all the stuff that they have as a kingdom ultimately comes from him. Have a look at chapter 29, verse 11. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. 
God is the one who ultimately provides the stuff. He provides the jobs that we go to. He provides the skills and talents that we have to be able to do them. God is the one, ultimately, who created the earth and its resources for us as human beings to engage with. It all comes from God. There's a sense in which God doesn't need, He doesn't need us to contribute, does He? It's all His anyway. But He chooses to use us. He chooses to use our generosity, our contributions to build His kingdom. It's helpful, really helpful, to remember this as we think about our own giving. Think about God is the one who ultimately provides. The last thing we want to notice here is the result. What happens as a result of all this generosity? Well, the, the temple does get built. It does happen. But notice David never sees it. He never gets to see the fruit of this generosity realized. And often our giving will be the same. Often when we contribute to mission work, we never get to meet the people on the ground who hear about Jesus. Not in this life anyway. We never get to see lives transformed. We never get to to see God's work in people's hearts as as that, that ministry happens. Now, sometimes we do, especially as we think about contributing to ministry around Tom's. Like It involves us in different ways, and we see, and we're part of it, and we do get more of an insight into it. But we don't get to see all of the fruit of it. And sometimes it's because it will take, takes time, and fruit is born much later. And sometimes just because it's, it's a hidden thing. And God's work is in people's hearts. We don't always get to see that happening. But David, he's not put off by this. He still rejoices in the opportunity and he sees an immediate, there's, an, there's actually an immediate result. This is an opportunity to praise God. As he sees his people being generous, he praises God for that. As they give willingly, he recognizes this generosity as the work of God. He gives thanks. When we sometimes we see some results, when we contribute to ministry, financially, when we don't see them, the one thing we always do see is God at work in us, promoting generosity. Now, as we think about these things, as we see David's example here, this example of generosity, how do you see yourself? Do you recognize God at work in your own generosity? 
Do you see that happening in your life? Do you acknowledge that God is the ultimate provider? That all your stuff ultimately comes from him? Are you thankful for it? Recognizing the kind of the appropriate humility we have before God as the, the provider. Do you give willingly? Do you give because you want to and you desire to do that? Or you, do you give out of a compulsion or you feel like you have to? Do you really wish you weren't? Are you motivated from the inside? And that commitment to God's eternal kingdom, seeing that built and grown. Well, as we finish up, it's helpful just to ground ourselves in spending for eternity. There is a real eternity that God is working towards. His plans are eternal plans. We are involved in that. We have the privilege of being able to to partner with him. We have the privilege of being able to contribute financially. But as we as we do all this, we've got to do it in mind with having in mind the price for eternity that has already been paid, don't we? As much as we contribute as much as we can be generous with our finances and our time and our efforts, it's ultimately God, God's generosity in giving us his son. His generosity in taking the punishment for sins that we deserve. That's the generosity that our eternal future hangs on, isn't it? Jesus died so that we can be forgiven, so that our eternity can be with God. It's part of this kingdom rather than an eternity outside, shut out, experiencing God's anger. If you're not a Christian and you're here, you know you're not part of God's kingdom, it's probably especially difficult sermon to listen to as Christians are just talking about money. But please hear this point if you ignore all the rest. The generosity that counts, the ultimate spending for eternity is what God has spent, the cost that he has paid for us. And he wants you to benefit from that. Friends, God has an eternal plan. It's a plan that he invites us to partner with him. And we ought to consider how we use our finances, how we spend in light of the end. Let me pray for us. Lord God, thank you for for sending your son to die, to pay the price 
accept the punishment that we deserve and to make it possible for us to be part of your eternal kingdom. Father, please help us to be so captured by that. To be so clear about the eternal future that we have with you that we would be willing to make sacrifices to spend our our time and effort and especially we would be willing to spend our money to see that future, to see that kingdom grow. Father, we pray that as we think about our finances, as we reflect and review this week, that you'd be with us, give us willing spirits, help us to remember your provision of all things and your ultimate provision in Jesus. And we pray that you would please be glorified in us as we exercise generosity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.